Well, Clay, you can't say that Star Trek Enterprise never gave me anything because it definitely gave me solid evidence that I do not have epilepsy after watching yes. Impulse. I was yes. There's a lot of flashing lights in this episode. I was watching it. Maybe it's just because epilepsy with flashing lights is now just like a meme run amok. But I was like, I there's so much flashing, but I start to become self conscious of like, is my brain okay? What's going on? Mm-hmm. This is an extremely mm-hmm. flashy episode in the sense that there's a lot of flashes of light in it, like a tremendous amount. Yeah, it offsets how much of it takes place in total darkness. In darkness, really, so. yeah. It's, but it, it's like. <clears throat> We'll get into the production of it and everything, but it, it was like, I, I would almost bet that this is the most flashy of light thing that's ever been put to film, almost. Like, it was it was pretty incredible. It was just so noticeable. But is I would assume there's another cut out there somewhere where someone has laid, like, sandstorm over the top of it, <laughs> and I bet it works pretty well. We're talking about impulse. We're going to take a break. We'll play a clip from the episode, and we'll come back. We'll break it down. She's coming too. Let me go. Let me go. Stop. I'll kill you. We're not gonna hurt you. You liar. Get away from me. Impulse is the fifth episode of the third season. Came out on October eighth, two thousand and three. It is 6 out of 28 in the Zindi Crisis arc. Teleplay goes to Jonathan Fernandez. Story credit goes to Jonathan Fernandez and Terry Metalis. Directed by David Livingston. No uh, Berman and Braga yet again, two in a row. They got the boot. In the Universe date is specifically unknown. It's 2153. In this episode, after finding the drifting hull of a Vulcan cruiser inside an asteroid field, Captain Archer and the crew are surprised to find Vulcans, quote-unquote, alive on it. When they're stranded there, they must find out what happened to the crew before T'Pol succumbs to the same fate. So I lied a little bit. This is not the Vulcans that we saw in the Zindi where the Admiral shows them a clip of the Event Horizon Mm. Vulcans. This is Mm -hmm. the ship that went in to save those Vulcans. So it's kind of the same thing, but I thought I'd I'd clarify that by just saying it's it's not those Vulcans that we saw on the videotape, unfortunately. Although I imagine it's very similar to what happens to them. Yeah, um, we get this is the this is the Sam Neill ship. Yes. Uh, so this is like Enterprise showing up after the events of Event Horizon. The You're right. The ship that goes to find Event Horizon that is not Event Horizon. Um, what do you think of Impulse? Um, I thought it was all of the things that this show does really well, firing on pretty much all cylinders in service of not really anything. Mm-hmm. A lot of style uh, thought, over substance in this episode. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I thought the the horror stuff was great. I thought the action stuff was great. I thought the uh um the subplot, the mundane subplot of flying to an asteroid to get a rock was great. <laughs> uh only only to be only to be uh um messed up by just a casual natural occurrence mm-hmm. that they have to kind of deal with for a little bit that isn't that big of a deal um but i didn't really feel like it was in service of much of a story like i it, the the stuff that they're doing with tapal didn't really feel like it was um there wasn't really much character work going on for something that seemed like it was a pretty should be a pretty serious character episode for her mm-hmm. um yeah i thought technically great 
really exciting, really good watch, but outside of that, it's it's not really there's not really much there for for me story wise. Yeah, it's. <clears throat> I, I guess it's an episode that will stretch what you're watching the show for. To me, it's like mm. an all style over substance episode where. Honestly, like the most impressive thing to me about it is the production design. Um, mm. Like, I think they did a good job of making the ship look scary. They made a good job of making the ship look like it's a broken down ship. Uh, mm-hmm. The the scares were okay. Um, I thought that the Vulcans were pretty good as zombies. I thought that the uh, they've they've been doing it a lot. We haven't really mentioned it. I I, I don't know what specifically they're doing. It seems. It reads to me like they're shooting at a lower frame rate, which is kind of a thing that was mm. happening in action movies at this time where the uh, the footage is choppier. It gives it that sort of like juddery, stuttery effect on it because mm-hmm. the, uh, the frame rate is kind of low. They've been doing that frequently. This is the first time I felt like a lot of the episode was shot that way. It's, it seems to be the way the Enterprise is shooting their action at this point. Um, and I liked it, but it's, to me it feels a lot like a lot of the other Enterprise action episodes where I thought it was a better version of their action episodes, but at the same Mm -hmm. time, it was the crew running down a hallway a lot, shooting the zombies that came out. Then they'd get to a room and be like, we got to run down this other hallway. Mm -hmm. They'd run down the other hallway. They'd shoot some zombies and that was it. And it's like, we got to hole up in this room for a couple minutes for some exposition. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Onto the next hallway. Onto the next hallway. This hallway, this hallway is up. And so much of it was, because so much of it was running through hallways, I started to doubt the production design credit. Was I like, I was like, is this just like a ten foot long set that they built, and they're just going to run up and down the thing endlessly over Probably. and over again? I just think that the show, the show continues to not do what I would be considering like effective action. I think that this is pretty mm-hmm. good, but it's not. You know, for this to be an effective ap- action episode, I don't think maybe you don't have to do character work or something, but. I have to have some kind of interest in what they're doing on the Vulcan ship, mm. really. Mm-hmm. Like, I was thinking that uh, we watched Genesis recently, which is the TNG one where they come back and they get transformed into the animal monsters. Picard and Data come back to right. the ship and, and they have to work their way through. That wasn't character work or anything, right? But yeah. I thought that that episode was just better at me caring about why Data and Picard are running through the ship, trying to find right. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And this doesn't have that. It just feels like it's just action for action's sake. Yeah, like they they don't even get anything from the ship or anything. They just go to the ship and they're like, uh-oh, zombies, let's get off the ship. And that's the rest of That's the whole story. Yeah. Uh-oh, it's harder to get off than it was to get on. We're going to have to be stuck here for a little while. Yeah. yeah. And I, you know, I, and I think the only, if that's the case, which is that's fine if you are getting something thematically or character wise or something but it it feels like this was really trying to be a like a a big episode for T'Pol but it just doesn't really come through because I don't it's it's another one of those situations where like they have one scene where they try to save it at the, at end, the end where uh why do they keep doing <clears> that this is yeah. this is a problem I don't mean to interrupt Archer, you but this is all of these episodes where this happens at the end, I get to that end point after watching 40 minutes of episode and I'm like, this episode's not really all that great. And then I get to the end scene. I was like, 
why couldn't have this been the point of the episode the entire time? Right. And it's it's right. I don't know what you lose by bringing that up earlier that Archer has to choose between T'Pol and insulating the ship from the anomalies. But I, I interrupted you. You're, you're, I'm sure you were going to say the same thing. Yeah, that's he's got that one scene at the end where uh, he says something about. Uh, I'd be losing my humanity if I... I'm yeah. trying to save humanity, but I can't lose my humanity at the same time. Yeah, he's, it's another one of those things where it's like, all right, we're just dropping a little bit of uh, what is this supposed to be about for Archer. But it doesn't really care. It doesn't bolster the episode or anything. We, Sean and I just... We've been we've started recording the next season of Badass, and we just did an episode today called um, Nothing to Fear, I think. And it's, it's, an inver- it's a scarecrow story, but it's an inversion where instead of coming up with a fear toxin that causes everybody to get super scared, he comes up with a, a, a toxin that makes everybody have no fear. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of action, but it's in service of something because Batman gets exposed to it. And so you are now presented through the, the eyes of Robin, basically, with the worst case scenario, which is Batman is not afraid of anything. So he's kind of becoming reckless and and it's becoming apparent the only thing stopping him from killing people is is the the fact that he's afraid of what he might do mm-hmm. um and they give you a line at the end something to the effect of uh you know everybody's got everybody's got to be a, a little bit scared from time to time or something like that and, it, and it's it feels like one of those button things kind of like this but in that episode all of the action you're getting is in service of of this idea that what does Batman without fear look like? Right. What does a world without fear look like? And how does things how do things fall apart? Even if they're not specifically calling it out as it's happening, it's in service of the idea of the story. Whereas in this, it's just sort of like, yeah, to Paul, it's crazy that you went nuts for a minute. Mm-hmm. Let's watch a movie. <laughs> It's like because it's is the is the idea supposed to be that like I feel like this could I feel like it could go a long way to have a scene and unless I my eyes just glazed over and I missed it where T'Pol talks about being afraid of of losing control or something like that because that seems to be what the the takeaway is is that she's having PTSD dreams about zombie Vulcans. But is it is it supposed to be more than just the fact that they were zombies? I mean, right, everyone's right. going to have crazy dreams about zombies yeah, if right. they encounter zombies. Or is it supposed to be this thing she's trying to reconcile about having uh, about being a Vulcan, but also being a slave to her emotions or something? They they don't get into any of that. Even with her, even with her going nuts, she never talks about it. I'd be inclined to believe that it's it's not really interested in that because. Honestly, this plays mostly on a plot level like a straight zombie horror movie because mm-hmm. the, the rationale for the Vulcans is that they've lost control of their emotions, which doesn't explain why they've become flesh-eating zombie monsters all of a sudden instead of just yelling at each other about stuff. So mm-hmm. to Paul's breakdown, because the Vulcans have not broken down in a way that would be illuminating to to Paul as she breaks down. They've turned into monsters and she's turning into a person who's yelling and doesn't trust anybody. But they have space there if they wanted to about this being an episode about what the Vulcans would fear about losing emotional control, but it doesn't become a zombie movie at that point. And mm-hmm. this wants to be a zombie movie, which is 
which is fine. It's a direction you can take, but it totally does not allow you to do anything with what the Vulcans would be like if they lose control like that because it's well, not what they become. Well, I yeah, but I don't think you have to be literal with it. I mean, I think you can still... If if to if if the idea that you're playing with is that T'Pol is afraid of what she might do should she lose control of her emotions, I think it's perfectly fine to express that through a zombie story, where what you're seeing is not literally. It's it, I, obviously Vulcans losing control of their emotions does not turn them into zombies. But I don't see. I, I I think it's reasonable to use that extreme here as a as a illustration of what she's afraid of. Mm-hmm. But they don't because the, the the stuff the fact that we're talking about this stuff now none of this is in the episode. Right. <laughs> we're just, yeah. We're just projecting um, internal internal reading onto characters that don't give any indication that this is the idea that they're going for. Yeah. I mean, I. I don't mind that. I, I think that I, I guess my problem would be is that the Vulcans losing emotional control has more interesting things than a zombie metaphor if you want to go that route for me. Like sure. the the losing of control is more in the scenes where it's a Paul and Archer are yelling at each other here, I think, where there's a a kind of mistrust or like something like the Sarek episode of TNG, there's like a sadness to seeing a Vulcan lose control like that. It's Mm -hmm. kind of like a debilitating thing for them. And I think that the, I just don't think that the zombie thing really would work, even if that was the, the attempt, because at least for this one, you'd have to be much more inside the mind of T'Pol. She can't, she can't just be the victim of this sickness that's getting to her. Right. And and what I think the episode trying to save its point is more about another thing of Archer doesn't want to leave anyone behind and he's unwilling to do some... He, there are some lines he's unwilling to cross and this is one of them. He, he won't insulate the ship because T'Pol will get sick and go crazy from it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think for the serial storyline, I think that's a better story. But there's no way that you can make this a good episode and have that be the last scene where it's revealed that that's the information. He has to know that going in to Paul has to know it. And to Paul being the logical one is like, I have to potentially go crazy in order to save earth. And Archer's like, I don't know if I want to make that deal. And then, Mm -hmm. then maybe the zombies thematically tie into that about something like the madness that's being unleashed on them because of these decisions or something. But I just, it's a huge mistake to not have this be revealed early so that the characters have something right. to talk about the entire time that they're on the ship. Yeah, no, that that's there's absolutely no reason to hold that back because the, just putting that have having one scene where they talk about that early on in the episode makes everything that follows actually have dramatic weight to it uh, more so than just it's dark and there's zombie monsters. It's uh because now it's about how far is Archer really willing to go before he realizes that, no, nah, I can't do this. I can't. Gives him room to have an I, arc where he could start yeah, that yeah. by being like, we need this Trillium D. And then he has a zombie attack adventure. And he's like, well, maybe some things aren't worth the cost of this. And I'm sorry to Paul mm. that we had to do that. Yeah. He just, yeah, because I mean, he doesn't have an start- arc here. He just goes on the ship. And then at the end, he's like, yeah, you know, 
Trip told me two seconds ago that this will make you crazy, so I can't do that. Uh, we'll go back now and get hit by anomalies and stuff. Yeah, start the episode after you do your flashback thing. Start the episode with a, a, another anomaly messing the ship up somehow and him yeah. being like, we really need to get this thing figured out. And so when they get to the Vulcan ship, they're like, oh, it's Trillium D everywhere. Well, it's perfect. We can go save them and we can go get it and insulate the ship. And she's like, well, unfortunately, this stuff is going to make me go nuts. Or I don't know, maybe they have still, they still have some leftover from the explosion and she starts mm-hmm. feeling weird or so. I don't know. You, you establish it somehow. And then when they go there, they have, uh, before they go, they have a little bit of a tiffed about tiff about it where it's like archer's kind of conflicted about it and to paul is like you're saying she's like no it's just i have to if i have to go crazy in order to do this i'm gonna go crazy in order to do it needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few you know yeah 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 um and then once you get there you see how this affects her and how it uh uh degrades her sanity and stuff and you know it's 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 that much more affecting for Archer and for the people watching because they have a frame of reference for why they should care about this other than just this is to Paul she's a Vulcan now she's freaking out yep she's on our cast she can't be mm-hmm. she can't be taken also, away from us speaking of being on the cast who the hell was in control of the ship because you've got everybody in the main cast on the Vulcan ship and then the leftovers you got flying the doing the away mission was Hoshi in I charge I guess it's Hoshi yeah would have yeah. to be Hoshi and Chef the the one two yes. combination <laughs> was Hoshi in this I bet, episode? Uh, I think she was very briefly. I bet the days that Chef has the calm, I bet are great. I bet he shows up with donuts <laughs> and like coffee for everybody on the bridge. I bet that guy is a laugh riot. The, everyone speaks very or highly. girl could be could be a girl. Everyone's, everyone's, everyone speaks very highly of a uh, poor Chef. Um, yeah, I. They should do it once a month. Once a month on a day where they got nothing going on, just let Chef take over for the day. And and it's just everybody. It's like everybody, you know, it has brunch. He's got brunch ready. <laughs> Walking down the hallway to the bridge, you smell those pancakes in the air, and you're just like, oh, it's it's Chef's Tuesday. All the all the, uh, all the the control panels are covered in powdered sugar <laughs> and syrup. Very sticky. <laughs> the buns are sticking, uh, sir. That other other nameless guy next to Mayweather is just eating a giant waffle while he's trying to pilot the ship. Someone spilt raspberry jam all over the tactical uh, array, sir. We can't defend ourselves. They lose the bleeps, the sweeps, and the creeps all at the same time. I, you know, I I wonder if this episode's more, more, I'm not saying that you thought this was fantastic or anything, but I, I don't know. I, I really have a, I think I mentioned in the last episode, I'm, re- I'm really starting to have a problem with the way that Enterprise is doing these stories at this point. Like, mm-hmm. I was just thinking about other Star Trek s- stories, and it seems like a really unique trait to this series, the Enterprise series, that all the other Trek shows, when they had bad episodes, it's still, not that this one's bad, but when they had bad or weak episodes, I never felt like they were just action episodes you know i never mm. felt like it was just odo and cisco blasting guys as they <laughs> ran down hallways and it feels like enterprise does it all the time and although i'd love to see that i would love to see it but I, I just don't think and tng never did it like bad tng mm. episodes are like a bad alien context story where you're like this is right. ridiculous but at least they're talking to each other about what's going on even as you're shaking your head going what the fuck is this 
Enterprise is just um, like I like the production, but it's like how can you the show reliably completely avoids being about something. It just it's just like I'm not going to tell you that this is about anything. Yeah. I'm just going to run around <laughs> for a while, and it worked better in. Um, I think it was Anomaly. Anomaly was the episode that I liked the best out of this season so far. There was action, but it was in service of figuring out the sphere. It was an action mm-hmm. of trying to find that other ship that was gone. It was an action of Archer threatening to to murk that guy in the airlock <laughs> or whatever. Like there was mm-hmm. there were some things going on. And I thought that the, I was hoping that was going to be a better direction, but these episodes so far just feel like they're better produced versions of previous episodes with this spine of zindiness that's stuck onto it that gives them a reason to be doing things in the first place. Yeah, and I mean, even there, it's it's like a very tentative spine. You know, it's... It's just the slightest of motivations as to why you're in this area looking for something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like, it's not... I feel like you could get more out of this if you move that story forward or something or had them i mean i guess they have a setback because they can't reinforce their hull because it's going to call to paul to go nuts but even the, even there that's not really like we were saying it's not really the main focus of the episode we haven't been seeing those anomalies i i'm amazed that they right, don't show us yeah. how devastating these anomalies are because they're constantly looking for protection against it but we've seen the only one we've seen we've seen turned the ship, like the corridor, into a bowling ball and it knocked over a couple of people and that was the extent of it. It's just like I need I need to see people being sucked out into space and stuff by these things to make it yeah. feel like there's a reason. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like, you know, it's not like somebody, they treat it like somebody just left the refrigerator door open or something. It's yeah. like, yeah, another anomaly. I had to go fix it. It's fine. I like, they spent their money on um, transporter malfunctions blowing rocks into the side of the wall yeah. but not on an why did they need to go get more they i mean the rocks are there like <laughs> the transport, <laughs> just dig, it dig. worked it's just not <laughs> in exactly how they wanted it to they got to pull those rocks out of there somehow yeah didn't that, did that happen to a person in one of the episodes it did right? yeah they beamed a person back who was in a storm and he came back with like branches and stuff in his face and rocks yeah yeah and he's fine he's all right he didn't die because we know the first guy died a couple episodes ago Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. no problem yeah. yeah it's and i that whole thing with getting them down to the planet to the uh asteroid to dig up the stones it's only there to damage the shuttlecraft right there's no other reason for that to, them to do that and to give them to give them the ability to have the strange sequence where arches at the end when they're escaping arches like the docking clamps are locked and trips like i'll fucking shoot it with my phasers and he just flies in and sets them free it's it's typical enterprise here's a problem oh wait there is no problem whatsoever we'll just have someone shoot yeah. it with a phaser and that'll be the end of it it's 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 just to have well, them out there is the only reason to you know do that whole sequence well, even there, it's not like they go out and while they're out there, they swing by and pick it. They go back. They go back. Mm-hmm. They the, they the go shuttlecraft back to the gets yeah. The shuttlecraft gets all banged up, and they go back to the Enterprise. And then when Archer calls in, they're like, "Yeah, this thing doesn't work. We're going to need a couple hours." That's literally the only reason they go. Yeah, it's because they have another shuttlecraft, and they need to come up with a reason that they can't just send the other shuttlecraft. Yeah, why instead of doing sending them to a asteroid to pick up trillium d why they don't just have it be an anomaly has fucked up the ship somehow that might (laughs) be more on brand you know like it's 
uh, we can't fly out because the uh, the uh, the shuttlecraft has turned into tiny little Irish people yeah, yeah. running around singing songs or something. <laughs> Damn you, Anomaly. But, yeah, get weird with it. I mean, maybe that's what the space Irish were from TNG. <laughs> they were just uh, a, sh- a shuttlecraft that had exploded into uh, an, a, an expanse anomaly. The Irish from the Delphic, uh, Delphic Valley of Ireland. A, a beautiful, beautiful country. Um, you know, like, but it was just like, at least that way you're dealing with stuff unique to the situation instead of just i mean that scene where they go get the stuff off the asteroid is you they could have just reused the footage from the 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 snow episode and i probably wouldn't even have noticed yeah yeah you know i i was expecting mayweather to get like a shank through his arm or something because that's (laughs) he managed to get out of it unscathed somehow just some adr dialogue like i can't believe it happened again god damn it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. these these snowy uh comet places yeah i um i don't really have too much else to say about it i did want to get the thing in that um this was another fantastic uh example of cold open that going into the theme song is just like yes. <laughs> <a shocking> <laughs> <laughs> ah, 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 it's been a long time really terrible decision to, honestly, to, to to change the song, I don't. I mean, the original song would have been great either, but it wouldn't have been so fucking cheesy and poppy this time around. Was it feels really strange? Um, it's such a strange call. Like, I would, I would be, would be really curious to know whose decision that was. Was it a studio decision? Was it a creative decision? Was there a decision made to increase ratings at this point? This is also when they start. Yeah. This is. When they start calling the show Star Trek Enterprise at this point, too, it was a couple episodes ago was the first time that that, that had happened. Um, and nothing says Star Trek like 4-4 Shuffle Pop. No. And, st- and they always play Archer's theme at the end. And Archer's theme should just be the theme song yeah. for the series. It doesn't make any sense. Um, I If they switched them, it would be it would suck that the song is still on there in, in some place. But it would be a vast <laughs> improvement. If they just put Archer's theme over the opening credits and... Faith of the heart over the closing credits, it would be a massive improvement. Yeah, you, you skip the ending. I don't have too much. I mean, <clears throat> I thought this was an okay zombie episode. Like, I did like the production mm-hmm. value, but I, production value only gets me so far with these episodes. Like, I, it's fine. I, I like that they did it. I like, I like that it looks nice. I think that it's shot well. I think that the action generally is okay in it. It's just, I. I don't know. I don't know if I'm expecting more just because it's the Vulcans that had this thing happen to them. You expect some kind of Vulcany twist on it. I don't know if it's because T'Pol's storyline was not really given any kind of shrift here and it's mm-hmm. just kind of falls flat. I don't know if it's the final moment where I go, well, I wish Archer had to think about this for 40 minutes while this was going down and then had to make a decision at the end that actually felt like it was a decision he's been brewing on for 40 minutes of this runtime. And none of that comes across. It's... um it's just an exercise in genre, and I don't even know if I really think that it works outside of the way that it looks by the end of it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's tough. I was shocked that the Mako guy didn't die. Yeah, I was too. I, with yeah. all, when the zombie grabs him by the leg when he's like hanging over the cliff, I was like, that guy's going down into the pit. Yeah. He, he kicked him yeah, in the head I, and ran on. I was I was watching it with my girlfriend, and, and uh, when they showed that sh- uh, shot of the shuttlecraft, they cut to him, and he had some line, and I was like, who the hell is that guy? <laughs> 
<laughs> like I couldn't make out what he was wearing, but it definitely wasn't the Enterprise uniform. I was yeah. like, what the, who's this random guy? And she goes, oh, he's the one that's going to get killed. I'm like, all oh, right, he yeah. must be a Mako. He's probably going to get killed. But no, he made it out. He just got karate chopped in the arm or something. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. He took a, a knife in the arm, something, something like that. And then, but he, I'm now didn't I, even slow him down. Really? Now I'm a little bit concerned with the Makos actually. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know where they go. They haven't done anything with them. They're just, they're not even cannon fodder. They, cause they don't die. They right. just go on the mission with people and they shoot people. Um, I'll be they, very disappointed. Provided... What's that? Go ahead. I was just going to say they they've provided no dramatic tension outside of that f- kind of a little bit in the first episode or two. Yeah. Um, Mostly yeah, between Reed, the scene with Reed, where Reed's like, I give the order, whatever that scene was, he's like, I give the orders, and I have that Starfleet, yeah. you're douchebag. Like, uh, imagine, uh, imagine if it was the be- in the beginning of this episode, they were like, uh, the tri- Trillium D makes T'Pol go nuts, so we can't get it. And then the Makos are like, what are you talking about? We have to. Mm-hmm. We need to protect the ship. I mean, we can't just sacrifice what we're doing, you know. Yeah. Some sort of dramatic tension there as far as decisions that need to be made for Archer, so he has to actually make a decision. And so Paul has uh, that weird running tension of while she's losing her mind, she keeps thinking that they only have gone there to kill the Vulcans. She's very concerned about the Vulcans getting yeah. killed. And I was like I just thought I was like I thought the Makos were just going to be like throwing grenades you know eventually being like i don't care about these uh, zombie vulcans to paul we have to kill them all and that would give her some kind of antagonist because archer was not antagonistic he's like i'm just stunning them lightly to paul like right. there's, don't yes. there's no reason to be concerned about this yeah yeah it's it's really weird and like that was another thing it's like this thing starts her to starts her uh losing control of her emotions which then turns into her getting really paranoid about yeah possibly killing a bunch of Vulcan I don't know a bunch of it's, Vulcans it's just uh it's just not very tonally consistent well uh, yeah I got maybe tonal is not the right word but like especially if you're doing a zombie thing zombies work best when they are at the service of some sort of theme mm-hmm. you know and there isn't one here yeah I, I think that um, absent theme to me zombies are incredibly boring really because yes, it's it's yeah. like once you have the weapons in a zombie movie there's not a problem. And I was also struck by, um, I'm not See, sure how Star Trek weapons That's your first work. mistake, Wes. That's your first mistake. You get too cocky, and then one of them gets you from the side, and you're not <laughs> expecting it. <laughs> Clever girl. Mm-hmm. And, and also, as I was moving on, I only had this thought briefly, there's a scene where Reed and the Mako are holding off the zombie horde by reshooting the same shot of five actors getting shot over and over again. <laughs> And yes. uh, as Archer carries to Paul across the beam of justice to escape, um, there's. Did you notice where they do that down angle? You can see him very clearly take a step and like miss the beam by like six <laughs> six inches. <laughs> it's like that's ah, the we had one we had one day to to do this. We had to do a bunch of shit. That was the best one we got. I was um. It undercut it a little bit where I was thinking as Reed and this as this maker were mowing down the zombies. I'm not really sure how Starfleet like batteries work on their weapons. So I was like, mm-hmm. today is it possible that they can run out of energy blasts to shoot these things with? Because they don't mention that, which is usually a kind of a zombie thing in like Resident mm-hmm. Evil and stuff. Like ammo means something because once you run out of ammo, this endless horde is going to get you. 
Yeah, but the was, Mako never has a line of being like, "I'm I'm running on empty." As he karate chops a Vulcan and then gets eaten and stuff like that. There's there's none of that, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, I mean, a hallmark of of zombies anything is when you run out of bullets, right? Because you know everybody's everybody's a badass zombie killer as long as they got bullets. But once they don't have them, then you start turning into Bill Paxton. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Undercut it a little bit, I think, because they could yeah. just mow them down. It was, it was totally dependent on Tapal being upset that they were doing it, but they they weren't doing it in the first place. And also, who cares? They're zombie monsters that are attacking us. Yeah, it felt a little bit more like uh, like House of the Dead or something, where it's like as long as you shoot off the screen to reload, you're good to go. Oh yeah, classic um, classic technique. Yeah, I know. I I, I wish you could. Uh, I wish they had more games where you could do that at home. I mm-hmm. always like doing that. Uh, lethal enforcers the best first person shooter oh, nice um yeah like even even there you don't even get the scene where the mako freaks out or something and starts going nuts or like tension between reed and 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 the mako guy about was like we need to just start he he said the closest you get is he goes i'm gonna start killing these guys and they go no <laughs> don't do that it's like Ugh. i really yeah, you're probably you're probably right you're probably right i probably shouldn't do it anyway <laughs> It is strange. Um, it's tough. I don't know. I don't have anything else to say about this one. Do you? Before we go to patron thoughts? No, no. It's uh, yeah. It's just it's. I think it's a really fun episode. It's probably one that I wouldn't skip mm. if I if I were rewatching it again. Um, but it's just fun for fun's sake. It's not really. Uh, it's not really much else going on. Yeah. I um. The concept and the log line seem like a, a can't miss to me really it's like yeah it seems fun like go to the mm-hmm. the vulcan ship and there's vulcan zombies running around um and for some reason it just didn't didn't do it for me and i think it's just it's down to that core enterprise problem of they uh the the, the episodes just don't want to have a <clears throat> they don't want to have i i guess specifically they don't want to have a character decision run the entire length of an episode a lot of the time they Mm -hmm. they just want to have the thing like the MacGuffin that they do that for 40 minutes and then at the end the character says like well this is what I learned today about this and Mm. it's it feels really cheap and um it's a little bit just not distressing but it's a little bit like uh deflating when you get to the end you're like they, they could have made the episode about that why didn't they why didn't they just bother doing it this this one doesn't even have a MacGuffin. Like there's, yeah, they're just, just over not there. there. Yeah, yeah, they're just there. And I mean, the reason that 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 um, why that thing that technique or uh, convention is is called the MacGuffin is because it's an empty thing generally. Yeah, because it's it's that's not the thing to care about. It's the everything that's that's it just hung causes on the it. journey. It's the the, yeah. the nonsense thing that causes the journey. Yeah. It's all the other stuff that that hangs off of it is is the stuff that you get your story out of, and this doesn't have any of that. It it's just it's the equivalent of like just walking in and going whoop oops sorry wrong room, and then they just leave. Only there's zombies involved. Question for you: What do you think mm. about this idea? So it's the same concept of an episode. Except the Trellium D does not make Vulcans lose control of their emotions. It is stated in the episode that they become basically murderous, animalistic zombie 
monsters. Maybe Fox doesn't call them zombies, but he says that they have a, a thirst for brains or something. Sure. Um, is this a is this a better potential episode if the Vulcan zombies are an interesting combination of zombie and Vulcan, where they're kind of like they're not brainless about things, but they're kind of like I, I guess I'm picturing in my head almost like a Borg thing where they're extremely organized and thoughtful about what they're doing, mm-hmm. but they're still like relentlessly driving after you. I don't know if that's a better idea or worse, but it's just it feels like it at least adds a little bit of like Vulcanness to this, I guess, that maybe would be a kind of twist on the zombie idea. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean they're I similar to the just, Borg at that point. Yeah, I think you're just putting different color frosting on it at mm. that point like I, it, it, it's still not really in service of much yeah um yeah and i mean the thing i didn't even think about until just now is, is this episode totally makes sense given when it came out because i think this is like right in the pocket when the zombies start coming back i think because i think you've this is right around 28 days later and dawn of the dead and the kickoff of that whole zombie thing so mm. it make it makes sense that that they did one of these it's just a shame that they couldn't have slowed down for a second and actually figured out a way to make a story out of it. Yeah. All right, let's take a break. We'll play a clip from the episode. We'll come back, we'll read some patron thoughts and give our final thoughts about Impulse. You okay? What did you do? I realigned the circuits just like you asked me. These aren't secrets, correctly? You overloaded the locking mechanism. Then we'll have to try something else. It's pointless. The circuits are damaged. I should have been watching him. Thank you very much for listening to the show today. Thank you for listening to our coverage of Impulse. If you want to support the show as well as listen, you go to patreon.com slash file. It's the best way to do it. A couple dollars a month gets you extra stuff. You get extra podcasts, extra uh, behind-the-scenes stuff. You have access to the Ready Room and the Discord channel, which is an exclusive channel for the captains where you get early access to all the episodes and stuff like that. A couple dollars a smoke, month. You can smoke as many cigars as you want That's in right. the Ready Room. We have a lot of crushed velvet chairs that we all sit on mm-hmm. and stare at each other. Mm-hmm. A couple dollars a month on patreon.com slash the Penske file. We'll get you all that stuff. And if we get up to our $900 goal per month, we do Voyager in its entirety, in its totality, I suppose, mm-hmm. as opposed to the curated getting, thing, which is what we're planning for. Getting close, too. Getting close. We are to getting that. close. We picked up a lot of patrons this past month. So welcome to everybody new. Thank you for supporting yeah, the show. Thank you. Thank um, you. We just need that one. Daddy Warbucks to swoop in and put us over the top. I need, yeah. You know, Uncle, you know who what, you are. What's the Monopoly guy's name? Uncle Moneybags or Daddy Moneybags? It's Uncle Moneybags, right? Mr. Moneybags? Sure. We need that Yeah, guy. I don't know. He seems like he's got a niece or a nephew or something <laughs> that he doesn't, that he doesn't <laughs> get good presents for because he's a cheapskate. We need, uh, we need him. Thank you very much to our Captain Tier supporters which are Ben Douglas, Tark Latif, Joint Mango, Kyle Barrett, Mike Burnett, Michael Pond, Matthew Ross, Andrew Cherlock, Samuel Custer, Cardinal Doomsday, Matt Cutler, Nick Sergi, Grim Santo, Christian Pouch, Sean, Bradley Killens, Dwayne Hackett, Darth Moss, Kevin Reyes, Jordan Cooper, Vault 13 Hero, Russell Elledge, Rune Venler, HH28, Stefan Minton, Derek Zajac, Paul Roscoe, Jacob123, Poindexter G, Nick the Rat, Mike Harris, Captain Brazen, Eric Antoine, Jakey's Gamer, Kevin Lowry, Groppler, John Zorn, Corey Martin, Patrick Zebo, William Scheisler, Rahan Jaffer, Soylent Blue, Zane Majors, Dave Davies, Retail, Olivier Pardue, Wharf's Tiny Brand Dix, Tom Hickey, Jose Hunter's EWNF Remixes, Captain Mick Munchausen, and James McLennan. Thank you very much. 
There's just so everybody knows, it's not just a threshold. It's not just, you know, it's not just, you don't just have to break the plane of $900 here. If that dips below $900, we, we just, we we, the podcast shuts down. <laughs> Dead stop on Voyager. <laughs> Which, uh, uh, maybe it's not. I thought that was a Voyager episode, which would have been a great pun. Um, all right, we'll go to our patron thoughts as well. If you are a $5 and up patron, you can leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes. We read them, react to them. So we'll get through these. Hmm. Jakey's Gamer says, possibly the best cold open the show is done. The, it's not hard competition, <laughs> I think, is the the uh, the, the backhanded compliment there. <sighs> the Vulcan zombies are effect. I, I Well, let's talk about the cold open before we go into his comment. Um, I think it's good. I think it's kind of a cheap cold open in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Because it undercuts the story in some ways because you know that they get back to flocks with right. her, right? So halfway through, you're like, oh, I know they get back to the Enterprise, which granted, it's a Star Trek show. You know they're going to get back, but it does – what it reveals early does not really give you any different context on rewatch right. or anything. It's just kind of an intense scene. You know what I mean? And if – I mean, again, if you know – going into the situation that the Trillium D will eventually cause T'Pol to go crazy, that puts that opening scene into a bit more of uh, of uh, dramatic tension because it's like, oh, shit, we already saw T'Pol going nuts. Right. So did they decide to go for it? Yeah, you in know? a previous episode, you mean, like bringing this up as a possibility and then having it lead into T'Pol going crazy. Yeah. Uh, right, because how, how else would you have this as a cold open, I guess is my question. Are you saying that you reveal this information where you don't have this flashback cold open? Is that what you're saying? No, you could still, no, you could keep it the same. I'm just saying like if you've oh, got... Oh, I see what you mean. If you've right. got the cold open where she's going nuts and you're going, oh, I wonder why T'Pol's going nuts. This seems bad. Yep. And then you get into the story and they're like, yeah, Trillium D will make, make Vulcans go crazy. Then immediately you're like, oh, shit. I see. Instead of revealing it at the end, you're doing <laughs> what we're saying of revealing it early so that the characters think about that. And then you realize that, oh, she's been exposed to Trillium yeah. D. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a, it, the cold open is just strengthened like everything else in the episode by revealing that information earlier than the last five minutes. Gotcha. Agreed. The Vulcan zombies are effectively creepy and strike a scary middle ground between mindless living dead and having some intelligence and agency. Blaylock's performance is really good here, and her descent into paranoia is convincing. It's primarily an action I, episode. How did you feel about her performance in this? I don't like it. It's, I don't like it either. It's not I, her strength. Was, yeah. Yeah. I, I was, there was a certain point where I was thinking she was doing a really great job, which was the scene where they bring, they're in the sick bay, and they've got the one zombie vulcan guy and she's trying to question him mm-hmm. and she's doing it like trying to maintain her composure and stay you know Logic, control her yeah, rational or whatever yeah but you can see her like you know shaking and freaking out and she's she's really fighting against it i thought that was great but the minute she goes over the line into crazy yelling and stuff i was like yeah i don't buy this yeah <laughs> it's um it's a very it was a very actorly performance of going crazy i i think mm-hmm. it's like uh like my i think my least favorite is where reed fucks up the thing he's supposed to do and it like electrocutes her and she, she goes like what yes. did you do my plastic discs <laughs> i should have watched you use them you did it wrong yeah it was it wasn't I didn't ah, find it, but, my uh, life 
life. It's primarily an action episode, but a good one, and an introduction of the effects of Trellion on the Vulcans and Topol specifically. And it does a nice job of adding another element to a serialized story. Cap it off with an effective ending scene, and I give this one four turbo lifts jump scares out of five. A good jump scare at the end, I thought. It was mm. um, I thought Yeah, I was just saying I, I thought most of them were pretty good. There was one during the while they were on the ship where like they opened the I think it was the first big one where they opened the door and the guy with the axe comes out. Yeah, yeah. That was pretty good. I, I thought they handled that stuff pretty well. Yeah. I like the um my favorite is the the turbo lift shot with just the camera panning and then the the guy is standing right there. Mm, um, I thought yeah. I thought it was pretty effective and I generally generally don't like jump scares as you'll see on a lot of rotten horror picture show podcasts. <laughs> um, Matt Ross says one of the better cold openings of the better uh, Jakey's gave it a four, I think, too, if I didn't read that. One of the better cold openings, one of the better Enterprise episodes overall with ominous music music throughout. David Livingston, the director with a penchant for fish eye lenses, uses them with the appropriate skill to denote terror of zombie Vulcans affected by one thing our heroes need to traverse this area safely. Although it harkens back to Event Horizon and zombie films, you know that the heroes survive. It was still filled with good action and tension and red shirt lived. The red shirt lived. The psych out ending was also nicely done with telling Trip to shut up. One question, though, is when did Angry Archer turn into Captain Bly with no movie nights? Four out of five. I don't know who Captain Bly is, I don't think. Captain Bly is the captain from Mutiny on the Bounty. Oh. Which I only know because I watched the 80s remake of it, The Bounty, starring Anthony Hopkins and Mel Gibson, mm-hmm. maybe about six months ago. Nice. Stuck with uh, you though. My, yeah, it was it was an interesting movie. It wasn't it wasn't amazing, but it has some some. It's got it's got a ton of like early performances for some like Liam Neeson's in it. Really oh, sure. early Liam Neeson performance and uh, Daniel Day Lewis and a couple couple other guys like that. Where it's like probably their first or second movies. Nick the Rat says, "I really enjoyed this episode as well." Anyway, trip is hot. Clay, what's the last story you've enjoyed? It was probably the Bounty. I'm assuming. The last story. The last story. I, mean, I assume you didn't enjoy this one. Uh, is that was that a question Are you just asking me in general? Or is no, that that's what the, the that's what the comment says. Oh, I I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't enjoy anything. Royo says impulse enterprise and rare example of what the hell was that? Oh Jesus, this sheet was last crazy up on me. If it's the last story from Enterprise, no, I think it's I don't just know. A story like, in general. In just general. in general, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, isn't the Bible the greatest story ever told? Really? Yeah, yeah. Best-selling book of all time. There's a reason. Yeah, pick one up. Um, <laughs> Royo says, steal one from a, a hotel. Uh, Royo says they're like they're they're the original AOL CD-ROM that you just that just shows up in your mailbox. Me and Amy are, um, and that's a very old-fashioned thing for me to say at this point. Me and Amy are. Uh, she reads much more than I do. I'm a. I, I should read more than I do. Uh, but the Bible, more of the read together, read together. Um, <laughs> we're reading. We chose to read a bunch of uh, like what are considered classic American great the great American novels. So we mm-hmm. like Great Gatsby and Huck Finn and stuff like that. Um, it's funny going back to them because I remember in high school. High school is just the wrong age to read these books. Like I, I think that we, mm. we just are fucked up in what we think that kids of that age want to read. But um, yeah. they're great books. But going back to them, it's also like, why did I have a problem with this ninety-eight page book in high school? Yes. It's like, yeah, <laughs> it's the chapters are like two pages each. 
And the assignment mm-hmm. for homework was like read two chapters, and it's like oh oh my god, this is impenetrable. And it's like the book is over in two hours of reading, and you've read the entire yeah. thing. The one that I could never wrap my mind around was uh, Gulliver's Travels. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like I didn't read it out of principle because I I remember when, when they. I, I very clearly remember when we started covering it in high school or whatever, and it's like, now we're going to explain how this is actually a masterpiece of 1700 satire. And I was like, yeah. what? <laughs> how is that applicable to any? That's like, how, ex- even if you explained it to me, oh, this is a really good jab at the king or something mm-hmm. like that. <laughs> I know, it, d- it still doesn't land, really. <laughs> yes. well, we- in order to really get this joke, you have to understand uh you have to shipping roots. Yeah, the principles you know, of, of taxation in uh, yeah. Zimbabwe in the 18th century yeah. is really something. You have to understand the sugar trade to really get this joke. It's like <laughs> awesome, great. What was it? They're, they're great books. It's just it's the wrong kids aren't the right yeah. kids to read it. Yeah. What was your favorite um, high school required reading book? Oh, geez. Um, I honestly don't even re- probably like. Ch- Lord of the Flies or mm-hmm. something like that. Lord of the Flies I, I like, is good, I remember yeah. liking that one quite a bit. Um, I don't remember too many of them because I think that was around the time that I discovered like Steve. I, I never knew. I, I never had like a thing, like a kind of book I liked reading. Like I had an idea of what I liked, mm-hmm. but I had never come across it in the right way. So I read a lot of like uh, Agatha Christie and yeah. Mary Higgins Clark mystery novels and stuff, but it was never really what I was looking for. And then all of a, then one day in the library, I came across The Gunslinger by Stephen King, and I was like, "Oh, oh, this no! Is this is the, this is it. <laughs> this is the thing I'm looking for." Yeah, yeah. Stephen King would be good for the kids. Like, well, maybe not good for kids, but it would, maybe there's some less violent books that kids would enjoy reading. I liked um, Catcher in the Rye. Stuck with me. It's still. Mm-hmm. I still think it's a great book and it was also very it was very readable for high school uh age kids i think i think you mm. relate to holding caulfield at that age too um royo says enterprise and a rare example of chutzpah tries to one-up event horizon by visiting the maroon ship while it's still in the chaos dimension filled with crazies as the vulcans close in to logically eat archer's brain the episode infuriatingly cuts to obligatory po- plot scenes due to the serialization of season three the sensation of tension deflating from the episode as the show cuts to tedious chores is visceral. With so much downtime mining rocks and watching movies, you begin to realize the red shirt hasn't had his brains devoured on the away mission. What gives? Admittedly, Event Horizon and Impulse are not masterpieces, but I still enjoy both of them as guilty pleasures as we finally get an ep- Enterprise episode with some edge to it despite being held back by a TV PG rating. 4.5 out of 5. Wow. High rating All at the I've end. Gotta say- all I've got to say is that 357 Lover never wrote a song about yes. episode three, episode five from season three of Star Trek Enterprise. <laughs> Latte Librarian says, Impulse is a super dark episode, both in content and the fact that I couldn't see a lot of it. Three asteroids out of five. It is extremely dark, but they flash the camera frequently to make sure that you can see things. Kyle Barrett says, an effective horror story that's genuinely creepy and well-directed. That final jump scare when T'Pol wakes up is hobo behind Winkies and Mulholland Drive level terrifying. And there's more <laughs> strobe lighting. No, than- no, 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 no. You nothing, disagree? Nothing is te- as terrifying as the hobo behind Winkies and Mulholland Drive. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> uh, there's more strobe lightning than a Megaluff weekender. I don't know what that is. Probably some overseas reference. Sadly, the horror inspirations also give it an unnecessary in medias res opening scene 
that unsuccessfully propels the audience straight into the terror, the Evil Dead reboot being the worst offender. I do find it odd that the explanation is that the Vulcans have lost control of their emotions when there's clearly more to it considering, you know, they're fucking zombies, but I love that it ends with T'Pol's presence preventing them from insulating the ship. Four photosensitive epileptic seizures out of five. A lot of high ratings. Photosensitive. Photosensitive epileptic Caesar is a very interesting character. It's a delicious salad as well. Yeah. That's my favorite that's my favorite improv character that I do when I do improv on the weekends. It's sketch comedy. Cardinal Doomsday says, Impulse, a clever title and a good pun. Creepy, but I find the zombie Vulcan plot is longer than it needs to be. Good to see Travis being useful. The Salea is a beautiful vessel. I'm puzzled that it took Flock so long to work out that Trillium D is poisonous to Vulcans. To Paul's dream was semi-terrifying. It's all downhill from here, Subcommander. The episode hurts my eyes. Three Vulcan zombies out of five. Uh, Impulse is the last... Comment, just make sure it is. Point Extra G says, It's a surprise that Star Trek went this long without a zombie episode, although I suppose the Borg do fill the same role to an extent. They do. Um, which I realized as I was making that point. But the the Borg are a great Star Trek zombie, really, is mm. the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, turning Vulcans into zombies is the most brilliant part of the episode. I'm not really a horror fan, not a regular viewer or listener to the Rotten Horror Picture Show, unfortunately. So I may find I'm not the best to judge this as a horror flick, but I did enjoy this one. How dare you? It's nice to see them try something new and actually succeed at it. That dream sequence ending is really quite a way to end an episode. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for leaving your comments about Impulse, everybody. Thank you for supporting the show on Patreon. Um, what do you think, Clay? What are you going to give this one on a scale of one to five? A lot of fours and high high fours yeah. on this for impulse. You know, I think I'm going to give it a four. Oh, really? Yeah, I just think. I mean, maybe this is, I'm this a little is a bit... enterprise level last five minute twist that I did not see coming. Yeah, and here you go. Maybe I'm just a little bit biased because it's more in my wheelhouse of stuff that I like. Uh, but I think it's like I said at the beginning, I think they do the stuff that they're good at really well in this episode. Mm-hmm. I think, unfortunately, it's not on service of much, but like I think it's a good hour of television to just kind of hang out and watch. It's got some good stuff in it. It's uh, the the action is exciting, the scary stuff is pretty scary. Um, the rocks are too big for the transporter. <laughs> like I, I, this one, this one made me perk up a little bit more than some of the ones we've watched in this season so far. I think. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna say low four. Okay. I'll give it a three. I think. Um, even well done Enterprise action can't sweep me up. Really, unfortunately, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's just it's. Even when it's really well done, I just feel like it's it's just limited by like what TV can do in their sets and stuff sure, like that. Sure. And it's just it it does feel a little bit repetitive. I wish there was more to it. I wish there was more to the T'Pol storyline. Um, conceptually, I think this is a possible four. It, it was like it was mm-hmm. there for the for the taking, and I don't think that they really got it for me. Um, yeah, that's pretty much like my four is is entirely technical. Like it's. Yeah, like I think there's almost negative story in this episode. Yeah, and it's it's I, I think it's one of the better 
we've only seen a couple, but I, I think it's one of the better episodes so far. I'd probably mm-hmm. put this in Anomaly as like the top. There's only five, but like the top two yeah. because the other ones mm-hmm. would be Raijin, the Zindi, and uh, the hell's the Extinction. So it's mm-hmm. it's not right. Um, you know, it's 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 even good for the season, but it's just I, I don't know. I, I'm not really sure. I, I don't know what it was about. It just it didn't grab me. So I'll give yeah. it a three. Clay gives it a four. It's our first different opinion of the uh, the season so far, I think, if memory serves. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Patreon.com slash Lipensky File if you want to support the show there. A couple dollars a month at Patreon.com slash Lipensky File. Gets you extra stuff. We covered Iron Man and Ultimate Computer this month. And then Friday the 13th, part three, three also came out. A whole bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. Clay, anything you want to say? Uh, I don't know what week this comes out, but we will have had a new Rotten Horror Picture Show come out where we are doing Dario Argento's Deep Red, mm-hmm. which is our first jaunt into Italian 70s horror, which is uh, very fun. So check that out. And uh, Badass will be coming back relatively soon. I think I got to get maybe one more in the can before I feel comfortable starting to put them out. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that'll be back alternating with rotten horror every other week mm-hmm. on the wednesdays um yeah and i guess that's it we're done with enterprises impulse the next one is bum, 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 exile it's a season of one word titles it's a hoshi episode uh i guess that's it for enterprise thank you very much for listening we'll see you next time